make sure your calendar reflects what you want to do and what you need to do because otherwise especially in big companies your calendar will be filled up very quickly but what it comes down is one to three important tasks per day. On a task manager, I use things that is uh, Mac only, but it's important. One to three important tasks and they are ordered by priority and just doing them, knowing why you're sitting down to work. If you just go to the laptop and think yeah. like, I look in Slack, then the day is mostly over. It's not that yeah. you are in all possible moments of your life, you are an extrovert or an introvert, exactly. you might switch. And that's okay to keep your introvert side in some cases, right? I think that really makes a difference. If you not only complain about things that are not well, instead that you're doing something about it. A friend of mine, also manager, called it a Rolls Royce. Okay. <laughs> so R&R, &R, uh, results and retention basically. Mm. That's the job of a, of a good manager, delivering results, but keeping the people stay in the company. Hi, I'm Maria, and this is the Agile State of Mind. Welcome, and welcome to the podcast edition, where I deconstruct the role of the engineering manager, try to make sense of the role confusion, and understand the challenges of the transition from a developer to a leader. And today, I would like to recap the first season of Engineering Manager interviews. And for that, I invited Daniel Hauk. Hi, Daniel. Hi. Daniel is an engineering manager, of course, but he's the lead of other engineering managers or the team leads. And we will talk about that in a while. And he is writing a book on the first time managers. And uh, you are also now author of a crash course on how to manage people, right? True, yeah. So that's like an intro to the book, I guess. And totally, a, like, like a quick start, like you said, a crash course, yeah. Cool. We will come to that. So this way, I thought that we could combine the learning that I got from my interviews and Daniel's lessons learned from his interviews. So Daniel, please tell me, how did you come up with the idea to write your book? And we met because Daniel invited me to join the interviews because for the book, he was interviewing different managers and among those, so as a leader, I was also interviewed. So you didn't only interview managers of engineering, right? You interviewed also other people. Yeah. True. The, the reason for the book basically was when I became a manager first, a people lead, it was really hard because there was no help. You could just get thrown into the role. I mean, there are a lot of books on that. There is like great books actually, but when you become a manager, it's not that there is the one guide to survive and stay sane and to learn all the valuable things. Instead, there is tons of books, but mostly it's too early to read them because what you want is you want to survive your first week or months. <laughs> And that's the intention for this book, to help people stay sane, kinder, mm -hmm. and also do a good job and not waste wasted people on the first days. Okay. Yeah, makes sense. What I was also checking is that there were a lot of books on leadership. It's the grand idea, but not yeah. really on how to manage people, right? Like be a leader, have a vision, do this, be great, but then... How do you actually become from being a colleague to suddenly becoming people manager, sometimes even of the same people, right? Yeah, totally. I mean, like you said, there is like on, you don't need big visions for the first day. You don't need big visions for the first six months. You basically need to figure out how to survive the first days. You need to learn how to talk to people. You need to know how to run your day. You need to know how to manage a team. And also what you mentioned, it can be tough if you're, a colleague or a friend right now and tomorrow you're suddenly the boss and have to tell them what to do how to do things there can be i mean this is a challenge on its own yeah especially manager, yeah. exactly and especially to give feedback that's productive that's not like nice feedback somebody did something you didn't like right yeah, and yeah. how to do that and it's so hard uh saying hard things i mean before that, when you're in, in, at least in some companies, it's like everything is, is nice and uh, mm -hmm. you don't give hard feedback. But saying hard things, if you don't do that, if you don't learn how to, I mean, the, the worst example would be if you finally need to fire someone, mm -hmm. you need to be able to say it without like uh, hating yourself for doing so. I mean, in the beginning, you probably will hate yourself for doing so. But in my book, I'm also trying to help people overcome that because in the end, it's all about 
business or it's all about the job yeah okay that that's that's great uh, so it will be very interesting because today um what i would like to do i would like to recap what uh all the previous interviews have been about and we will then start a conversation about what you thought about them because daniel also watched most of the interviews so you have your idea and also we will do quite a recap so i would like to start with what I found uh, was interesting. So I will just name different things that I noted, and then we will go into mm, some of them or most of them. So for me, the first one was about naming. So yeah, who I did, I even started and I even in every intro, I talk about this, that we have team lead, tech lead, engineering manager, that are different engineering managers, the ones that lead the other team lead and the ones that actually lead the team and then the, the, what is the role like what do we actually expect and then we have the preparation so what can we do and how is the transition happening so i would like to talk a bit about like when you are senior developer does it actually prepare you to be a manager and then that when you are transitioning you still do the ic work the individual contributor work so you sometimes still code but then you already have to do the one-on-ones and so on and your calendar becomes a mess so that's why it's like a headway to organization so how do we organize how do you organize as a new manager how do you avoid your calendar being a mess how do you avoid what you say like hating yourself because you wake up and you don't know even what to start with uh, today i was reading on your crash course that you tried all possible productivity hacks True. under the sun <laughs> so i would like your expertise on that one too and then i noted you and your team so it's about okay you are the manager and there is a team and you have to build the team, you need to build a relationship with the team members, you start growing leaders. How do you do one-on-ones? Well, do you have any tips from the interviews I did? There are a lot of templates, like questions, mixing questions, how to do it, what does it mean? Then I would like to move to good practices. So some of the managers, they mention some practices that then the others mention again. So some of them are repetitively mentioned. And I would like to just, even though they are not only good practices for leaders, but also to like what to focus on. So the team members make do those good practices. It's so much easier if there are some good practices that just work for anybody instead of reinventing the wheel. I would like to mention some of them. Then we go beyond your team. So what is happening outside? So there was this, this role is in a sandwich that Miguel mentioned, and I would really like to understand, okay, if the role is in the sandwich, it's not only the people that report to you, but it's also the people you report to and all mm. of the people around that are other roles like PMs and stakeholders and so on. And then we reflect and iterate. So how we don't have to start perfect with everything, start simple iterate and so on and then we do a summary of what there is okay let's go back to the naming so what do you think about that especially as you are also an engineering manager right my, my, my current title is engineering lead but it's okay. mostly so my take on naming is mostly it doesn't really matter too much it's more or less about communication about really being clear about what are the responsibilities for example in one company, you can be the tech lead, and that can still mean that you're 100% like the people manager of, of all technical stuff. And mm -hmm. in another role, it can mean there's, I think it was Lewis who was, he was the tech lead, but at the same time, there was a team lead in the team who yeah. was responsible for, let's say, people's feelings, especially because most of us in Europe, at least, are not native speakers. To us, the, the name is just a name and we're looking for something to structure things. So in my current role, it's like, okay, we have engineering managers. So what is the next level? We could still need hierarchy. So it's the engineering lead then maybe. Like I said, it's way more important to discuss what is the responsibility and what are the expectations to the role. That would help to have just one name and then everybody knows like Scrum Master. We understand what's a Scrum Master because it's always a Scrum Master. But then you have Agile coaches. And then exactly, it becomes yeah. already a problem because somebody doesn't want to be called a Scrum Master. Agile Coach seems so much more fancy. And I guess it's the same with 
why don't can't we just have team leads right i in the end you are a team lead but engineering manager seems so much more important yeah i mean it's back to the back to the discussion with like should software developers call themselves engineers don't you need the engineering degree that can be a discussion the same like vim versus emacs or tabs versus spaces uh therefore what i think it's most important you need to be very clear about what is the responsibility mm -hmm. and the rest is just it's it's a game about titles always sure <laughs> what we take from this one is just to make clear what your role is whatever it becomes you you are named so this is also what you're saying like you need like a crash course so the first thing you explain to people right so the first week mm -hmm. Hey, I am the new manager, which means, by the way, that I will be doing this and I'm responsible for this and that. And people then know what to expect from you. And I also like, because when we go to like the role, what it actually means. So being a team lead, I really liked what Tiago said. And he said that you make sure your team is delivering with quality. Because exactly. sometimes we just forget that, oh, quality is like QA people. And tech people don't, they just develop and then it's development done, and but it's not yet done, done. So yeah. nobody <laughs> knows when it will be actually done. And then not even saying about released or like in the hands of the customers. So I really like that part that we also think about quality when we do engineering and development. Yeah, and I really like that, that comparison with the sandwich uh, or that naming the, the role is a sandwich because that's the one part like, making sure or delivering delivering results for the company, making the company successful. And on the other hand, make, keeping the team happy or keeping the team, uh, team productive. A friend of mine, also manager, called it a Rolls Royce. Okay. <laughs> so R&R, &R, uh, results and retention, basically. Mm. That's the job of a, of a good manager, delivering results, mm. but keeping the people, making the people stay in the company. Yeah, I really like, I think it was Daniel Gorgon. He said that it's like the sweet spot between mm. what the company needs and what will motivate people. And I think that, yeah, the, I like also, I like the Rolls Royce. I like the sweet spot. So on, in the end, it's never just happy people or yeah. just happy company. Yeah, it makes sense. This results and retention. We keep yeah. our people because even if we provide great results, but people are burned out, that's not a success. Do you think that would be like a success criteria, you know, like the North Star metric? Could be, yeah. I mean, that's in the end, that's the perfect or what I discovered is the perfect job description. Because if you only focus on one of the sites, you either won't have a company anymore or you won't have a team anymore. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. True. That yeah. Would great. Be a good metric. <laughs> I agree. You can't have just one. You have to have two metrics to be yeah. successful. Great. And now we can move to the preparation part. You mentioned that at the very beginning. Like, do you think it changed? Because you said that when you started, which I imagine was a few years back, do you think that changed a little bit right now? Are the companies putting some budget for training of their managers? I would say it really highly depends. You have big organizations like um, with 3000 employees plus something like that. There is always a department that takes care about the organization or the culture overall, uh, something like uh, agile organization development, things like that. There you probably have some, you could send a PDF or you get sent a video course on how to be a manager, or even you get formal training to do that. Mm -hmm. But then there is the other side. Okay, someone leaves, we need a manager. You over there, you're the longest time here, you're a manager now, do it. And I don't really think five to six years or eight years back, there it was the same, I would say. I was in a very small company where there was no guidance, but at the same time, it's companies like Google, Facebook, and so on, they have programs for that. And I don't think it really changed. Yeah, I think you are right. Like there are some companies that make this effort and do something, but then there are also those that appoint somebody. And then there is this problem of, well, this person has been the longest. So how can, and maybe he's not the best people person, but how can I not promote this person over somebody else who's just two years in the company, but they are great people person. They basically yeah. do the role already, but I can't, I, I think we also spoke with Tiago, the importance of company investing in some kind of career path. True, or yeah. I think it really helps to, 
that you are supported by the company in definition of where we are going, what we need from each of the role. There are different levels. Mm -hmm. And then but there are two, two paths, not yeah. only management <laughs> path, but also the True, technical yeah. one. We have for, for exactly for that reason, we had like uh, in, in the February, March, some we decided that we will split up the team a little bit or reorganize a little bit and put up management roles. But at the same time, we also introduced that we will have career paths so that we have the professional options. So you can stay a developer and still grow and also earn the same money as a manager does. And also what was then you was the management path and that you cannot introduce management roles only and say like, okay, you developers, you stay there and don't grow. You need to open both paths and also make them financially at least Appealing. closer to each other. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So I think that's, that's like a very important part to have those two paths. So not everybody goes and just becomes miserable because they really don't love meeting yeah. with people all the time. Yeah, and especially, I mean, if, if we take that example of the guy that is the, stays the longest or is the longest in the company, he will probably be desperate and will be looking for change and will be applying for such a role because he doesn't see any other options. And therefore, if you offer those people a growth in like, let's say, maybe another technical role like architects, quality engineers, uh, then they see some uh, perspective and then they won't apply for, for these roles because they actually don't want to do it. They just yeah. want perspective. They just want earn more or do something else. Develop in and their career in the end, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We talked quite a lot about the soft skills, you know, and mm -hmm. how we are not really paying attention to the soft skills where we have, we get a junior developer. It's like, well, just code. It's so great. You just focus on coding and we don't expect them to do peer reviews, you know, we don't expect them to do anything. We just expect them to code. And then suddenly you end up, even though you are on the technical side path of your career, at some point you need to meet with people. It's what uh, Luis was saying. He it was a technical lead. So he mm -hmm. wasn't managing people in their development, but he still had to talk to people and mentor them technically right so mm. then it was soft skills people please yeah like you said that's totally forgotten and at some point in your career you will just require it you will need it to advance because when you're a junior coding all day that's fine but even then you could already start with things like learning how to figure out how to plan your day yeah. because that that would make a huge difference when you then suddenly need it it's it can be all or it's never too late, but at that point in time, yeah, then it sucks to not know how to approach someone, how to give someone feedback. Giving feedback is our own skill. You, sh you should not say what's on your mind. You need someone to tell you, okay, phrase it like that, because in the end it should be have a positive direction. Yeah. And that's like, again, in big tech companies, uh, we're also doing a feedback training every year, but in other companies in big tech, it's usual, I would say that you have some kind of training for that. But again, in small companies or in, in German companies, it's like, okay, yeah, give this guy feedback and then it's uh, shit hits the fan. <laughs> yeah. In some companies, I was doing a training on, on as an agile coach you know, or a scrum mm -hmm. master. I was the one that was given the training of nonviolent communication, which is basically how to say mm -hmm. things. So that they don't trigger you, you know, because that's like we want to avoid triggering people because they become defensive. And especially for the engineers, because, you know, in the end, you as a developer, you give people feedback all the time in your pull requests, right? Mm -hmm. So you have to, if you reject it or if you not even, you don't approve it, basically, we should maybe not reject, but then you have to give your explanation. And that's the way you can give it can vary so much. We were doing this bit feedback training focused on that because that's what they okay. do every day. Cool. So, you know, how important it is, for example, to give your preferred way, right? Not like, oh, this is shit. I don't like yeah, this. Yeah, yeah. This doesn't go, you know, I'm like, yeah, but what is wrong with it? So explain what's wrong and explain how you would solve it. And then you give this person an opportunity to either go with your or find another way and then let you see it. Right. So in, in the end, it's so strange that I recently even heard, I think it was on the news or somewhere that 
Yeah, people become engineers, like software developers, because they don't like other people. They don't like interacting with people. So they think they will just code. And then you go to like a company and you are like, there are people. Nobody told me this. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's that's the typical stereotype, I would say, of a developer that doesn't want to talk about. Bird is a stereotype. There is also people that act like that. And that should be made very clear. And I mean, we're, that you also need to work on that yeah. as, as a developer and even more as a manager. Yeah, that's why we, we spoke in the interviews that in the end, you should start with the juniors. You don't wait until somebody's senior. I sometimes see role descriptions. For example, the peer review, the, the pull request starts at like senior. And I'm like, no, they need mm -hmm. to start providing feedback. I understand it's peer review. We review each other. It's mm -hmm. not like only senior can review somebody who's below, you know? I don't know. At least that's what, not what I'm understanding. If we don't have the preparation coming from the company, I think what, for example, Miguel was saying, you need to start understanding better the product and all the things around what you're doing. So you usually have like this small part of the product mm -hmm. lifecycle that you are focused on as a developer, but then you need to start understanding a little bit more, like opening your yeah. view. So then you understand better what's going on. And this way you can also see if that's something that interests you, right? Getting into so many things, talking to other people, getting also becoming recognizable by the stakeholders, by the PMs, by, I don't know, the support guys, right? So everybody knows you exist. And this gives you also a better way to start thinking about, okay, maybe I want to move to be a manager. So I think that's also something you can do on your own, even before you apply for the role. True. Yeah. And I mean, there, there you can also see like, is, is this for me? Uh, mm. when you when you're talking because then you really need to talk to people I mean talking to your team talking to people on the same page talking to tech guys that's easy but talking to people like you said customer support maybe product managers stakeholders far away from your from your unit from your organization and there you, you can then also decide if talking to people is fine for you but you don't want to have the other aspect like being responsible for other people's work then you can also see like, can I go into another direction, like becoming an architect, becoming, I don't know, depending on the company, becoming a requirements engineer, solution architect, things like that can also happen then. Then you can also try it first before you fully commit to it. Yeah, exactly. And what I also was very surprised with my brother, Jan, uh, said mm. he is a learned extrovert. And you know, as a sister, for me, he's total introvert. So mm -hmm. if you ask anybody from our family, he would be like total introvert. That's why we understand he was a software developer. But then mm -hmm. he says, you know, ask anybody from my company, they will tell you I'm an extrovert. And I'm like, how is that possible? And then you think those different perspectives and also how differently you can be at work where you are good at something, where you have expertise, when you can actually, you want to help other people. You He probably mentors other developers. So then they consider him an extrovert extrovert but then he might not have like great small talk skills at home on the dinner so nobody would mm. consider him just because there he doesn't you know the topics maybe are not really interesting for him to be yeah, more yeah. open right so uh, for me it was a great discovery because we we i think as developers people are so afraid of those soft skills like i i just i'm not good at that you might not be good at some of those at mm. home, whatever at the shop, you don't you don't do a small talk with you know the cashier. But then you go to the to work where you have expertise. You can learn, and you can learn also the task that at first seemed very daunting. That my brother mm. was saying, he was like, I was looking at those people who were facilitating meetings, and I was like, that's the last mm. thing I want to do. And then you know, I know many people who are like with the first meetings they had to facilitate. They were like all sweaty, just sitting like this, like. Let this be over. And then after practicing, mm -hmm. you get some, my brother called it ready mental models. And then you just follow it. And then it stops becoming such a big deal. So I think that was one thing that I learned that I really loved. Like, don't worry. Uh, yeah. You will just do it over and over again and you will become good at it. Right. Totally loved it because in the end, it's first of all, everything is hard when you do it for the first time. 
if you're a new developer and start opening an IDE, you will be overwhelmed totally. And then after some years, it's totally easy. You know where every button is. And it's the same with like doing meetings, running retrospectives. Uh, yeah. Even when I was a first time manager and stood in front of the CEO and had to present my team, I was shaking, I was sweating. I was, I even thought about running out of the meeting and like, because I couldn't speak anymore. And after that, I thought like, yeah, it wasn't that hard. And actually mm. people aren't that bad. And if you even go with that mental models, if you prepare a checklist, either it's in your head or you do it even on paper, you say like, okay, this I need to do before the meeting, for example, for our talk, mm -hmm. I turned off my Wi-Fi because then definitely the connection is better. And that's when you go into a meeting, okay, check, do I have, is my laptop charged? Make everything as easy as possible mm. so things don't fail. And the next time it, it gets second nature. And mm. that's also with talking to people. For what I've written in my people management crash course is also do that one-on-ones for 12 weeks in a row. Don't do anything else. Then one-on-ones will be easier for you. Then you will know in which directions does uh, employee one go, in which directions does employee two go, and it will get easier anytime you do them. That's that's great. I will uh, link Crash Course in the description. Who knows? Maybe at some point you will start liking the things you were exactly. dreading so much, right? Because it's all about the practice. And that happened even for me. Like people probably think I'm super extrovert and like, oh, I'm the first one to be happy at any meeting and talking, you know, small talk. But it costs me sometimes a lot. And it's also very dependent on, on the audience, right? How mm -hmm. people respond. Yeah. If people don't respond, you feel like you feel super out of place. If people, so it's also good probably to have familiar faces that you look at at the beginning. So they nod mm -hmm. when you talk and then you feel like, okay, I get, it's okay what I'm saying. I recommend to everybody to take a look at your crash course yeah. and let's move on. Unless you have anything else for the preparation. One, one point, yeah. Uh, just because you mentioned it, it's also, it's always people act in relation to the environment. So if it's your brother or, or uh, another new manager try it in small in smaller groups like you said with familiar faces then it will be easier then you don't think that people laugh at you and then you, you can widen that audience you can train it at home uh, and for me it's also when i'm out of the house when i'm out of business context i'm an introvert again and for example when i'm on vacation or something most of the talking does my girlfriend because i'm not like i don't approach people i don't like to do that <laughs> True. So yeah, that's that. It's not that yeah. you are in all possible uh, moments of your life, you are an extrovert or an introvert, exactly. you might switch. And that's okay to keep your introvert side in some cases, right? One thing I wanted to say that I also learned recently, I hate rehearsing, for example, but I recently talked to a friend and she didn't have like the best English maybe, but she started doing a presentation in front of people and was recording and so on. And I recently asked her because I wanted to learn about product ops and she sent me a presentation and I was shocked how great presenter she was. And mm -hmm. you can imagine that sometimes you think, oh, my English is not good enough. When you talk to her, you sometimes think, you know, there are people with better and worse English, but she is rehearsing her presentations. So she is not just going there and like, whatever happens. No, she's preparing it. Mm -hmm. putting it down trying it out and then it's just a great delivery you want to hear more from her but that's the thing like we need to practice we think all oh, those people just have this talent they were born with right and now they train yeah, yeah. they rehearse but it's not that you don't you can't try it right yeah it's the same i mean this is later for good practice maybe or something like that when you're afraid to say no to someone mm -hmm. either as a as a manager or as a product owner no is one of the most important words and that you can train you don't need to like throw it out in that second uh that, that you need it you can train in front of the mirror to say no and oh, i mean okay. that goes in the same direction <laughs> true because then you just feel so probably self-conscious when you say no right so you see yeah. yourself and then you see how you what changes in your posture great stuff so we are like heading to the organizational part which is what we already started a little bit and i would like to start with the calendar and how messy it becomes and i remember joao saying like control your calendar don't let the calendar control you 
And that's especially because suddenly you get so many meetings and mm. suddenly you lose the focus, right? You were used to your work that, of course, you were hating all the meetings, but between the meetings, there was time to focus. Right now, you lose that. So you have yeah. to be in charge. So share with us your productivity <laughs> tips, please. My productivity tips. I'd start in a different direction because as a developer, it's like mm. your day is totally dictated by tickets by the sprint or in whichever format you're, you're working. And suddenly that's away and you have this huge gap in your calendar. And for me, the thing that I had to learn and which is one of these productivity tips or one of the best I would even claim is to time block your day to really mm -hmm. make sure your calendar reflects what you want to do and what you need to do. Because otherwise, especially in big companies, your calendar will be filled up very quickly. There's like reviews from other teams. There's like, again, depending on the org, there's all hands meetings everywhere. There's like design reviews where you could all attend. But if you attend everything, you will be left with no time to do your actual work, which is mm -hmm. caring about your team and trying to make them successful. So definitely, I love that phrase, what you, what you just said, that you need to control your calendar, otherwise it will control you. Therefore, definitely time blocking and also being strict about that. Because if you're not strict about your time or if you don't prioritize your time, someone else definitely will. Especially when you have an open calendar and people can look into it and see like, okay, he has some deep focus time there. Yeah, we'll just throw my meeting in there. <laughs> yeah, true. So that's one thing. And then how do you have any pro tip on how to actually schedule those one-on-ones? Some of the guys were saying like, maybe you shouldn't have like all of them at the mm. same day because you will get exhausted. What's your tip for that? So for me, I always, uh, I communicated very clearly that the one-on-one -on -one is set to 30 minutes, but I always block an hour because sometimes people will, will to blow off some steam. People will have mm. issues. People will have let's say a family drama or whatever they want to talk about or they want to just discuss with you or and therefore i'm always doing a maximum three a day so that's like and i'm also doing them in the afternoon so for example this afternoon i will have three one-on-ones blocked each for an hour or yeah in my calendar it always says an hour and after that yeah i'm definitely exhausted but also when i'm when I'm exhausted or when it's too much because you're talking to human beings, there always can, uh, something can come up. Then I will tell the other, the next person in the slot, I will ask if we can uh, move it to another day because that also would be kind of unfair for them. Mm. If I come to the meeting totally exhausted or, I mean, it also can happen that out of one one-on-one, -on -one, some follow-up comes where I need to act on immediately. Let's say there's a bigger project issue or some personal issue where you have to do something afterwards, then you can also move it to to another day. Yeah, that's yeah. a good tip. True. To be fair with everyone. Do you use anything for like you said that you're blocking your calendar, but do you use any technique for like Pomodoro or anything else to help you actually focus? Because you know what happened to me? Like I started mm -hmm. working as a scrum master and an agile coach. And then at some point when I had so many focus switches, I noticed mm -hmm. that it's really hard for me to focus. I would do hundreds of things at the same time. Like I start a presentation, but then I look here, then I respond to Slack, then I do. And then I'm like, mm -hmm. I need to do all those things. Otherwise it feels like I can't, I can't anymore focus. But I also understand it's a bit different because Developers usually come from like highly focused, so they have the other way around problem. But when you actually start like, you know, there are so many pings, like people ping you on Slack and some people don't even realize that this is not for urgent things. You put something on Slack, you shouldn't expect somebody to respond directly to you. So do, how do you have some hack for that? Like many inputs? Uh, first of all, I mean, what I li really like to do is the do not disturb mode. That's mm. my, one of my best friends, so to speak. And I also leave my phone in another room because okay. if I would see it, I usually don't have notifications uh, set up mm. on my, set up on my laptop. I'm in D&D all day long because at some point I will cross Slack. Mm. So there is nothing that urgent. And if there is something that urgent, they still can call me in Slack. Then there is mm -hmm. a notification. What I liked, uh, I, I don't can recall from which book it is. Don't respond immediately. 
see how slow you can get away with responding. And then another thing for me always is like, I'm a huge fan of Stoic philosophy. Uh -huh. And there's this, what's important and what's in your immediate control. So what is really important? What cannot wait? And I'm also very open to people when they back move stuff that is not important right now or that can wait. And being very clear also about what is the expectation in your organization. So do we have a four hour return policy? So you have to return to someone in four hours or is it 24 hours or is there anything like that? Just being clear about what people can expect from you and that you can also, what we're doing in our organization is communicated via the Slack status. So for example, right now I have in my Slack status deep work. So people know I'm doing something or it's better not to distract me because I probably either I will be pissed or I won't be answering. Okay. It's more or less the later. Yeah. So it's a bit like moving what you were doing in the office, right? When people were putting, for example, the head exactly, yeah. to under to give others know like I'm now focused on this tarp. And then when they didn't have them, you know, like you can disturb. So it makes sense because I think the the biggest problem is that we sometimes feel, oh, somebody's saying something, I need to just reply, whatever it is. And then sometimes, so you we don't distinguish between urgent because somebody is actually crying out loud mm -hmm. and important that is actually something that we have on our list and we should do. But then I think it's also about sometimes you sit down and you have like those very easy tasks that you can just respond and say, hey, no, this won't happen tomorrow, blah, 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 blah. You just clear those like mm. easy things that you can directly close. And then you focus on the important stuff that's from your priority list. Yeah, I think I totally ignored your question for, for the task management of Pomodoro. Because for me, after trying out all of that, and I mean, I probably spend a fortune on productivity apps. I read many books, getting things done. I tried mm -hmm. Pomodoro technique. I, I tried really all of that. But what it comes down is one to three important tasks per day. Either they are in front of me, uh, in front of me on a notebook. On a task manager, I use things that is uh, Mac only, but that stuff th doesn't really matter where it is, but it's important. One to three important tasks and they are ordered by priority and just doing them. Yeah. Probably then then you you really feel good and then you're doing it the next day. That requires, of course, some sort of planning. So you need to really be intentional about what you're doing. But that starts all with like knowing why you're sitting down to work. If you just go to the laptop and think yeah. like, I look in Slack, then the day is mostly over. True. There was also something interesting from Daniel Gorgon and he said that he usually prefers to write the, the to-do list at the end of previous day as opposed to mm -hmm. in the morning on the day because he says like usually I know I have in my head like what was really important I remember and then in the morning you were having your coffee people talk to you on Slack and then you are like forgetting that there was something important and you have to like focus hard something what what I would also or what's really will be a big topic in in, in my book and, and it's also partly in the crash course is taking notes in general because that's, I would even claim that's the biggest part of my of my whole productivity stack. Because when you're writing down everything, I mean, I'm taking notes of every meeting. And at the end of the day, I can clearly see, okay, what was the day like? Is there something to do? Is there something that I need to be following up? And then at the end of the day, you can really see what's important the next day. Usually mm -hmm. there is something already that I should be doing on the next day. But if throughout the day something comes up that is has a high has a high priority, then this moves to the list as well. So then it's not only about taking notes; it's also about reading those notes that you do. Using them, using <laughs> them, ma making use of them exactly. Yeah. And how do you do that with the one-on-ones? Do you share notes with the person? How do you create like an agenda? The one-on-ones are mostly organ. I mean. There is no real agenda because I always say it's the meeting of the it's the meeting of the employee. We have a shared Slack channel, so it's not just in the DMs. I have a Slack channel with everyone that is called one-on-one-name-daniel, so that they also know it's with me. And there we drop bullet points and, for example, okay. like salary discussion if someone mm -hmm. wants to have <laughs> get more money or such. And that's the agenda for the next meeting. If there is something like a, if we agreed on something, if there is uh, if there is common information, a link, a 
document, something like that, will post it into the thread. Mm -hmm. And then you, with Slack, it's great. You can actually also use reactions to, to put a check mark mm -hmm. there that it's done. That's how the agenda is coming together. And then for me, I will also take my personal notes about the one-on-one -on -one because in the end, I was in a situation where I had 40 direct reports. Uh, wow. That was way too much, but still you can be close to people if you're taking notes about what they say. Mm -hmm. There was a guy that was doing his driver's license. And so every time we had a one-on-one, -on -one, I could say, and how is it going? <laughs> uh, when you write it down on one hand, you can refer to it. You can use that. You can make use of that note. And on the other hand, by writing it down, you really will, will remember it and can be actually close to, to the people. Yeah. yeah, I think that's the most important part because after two, three one-on-ones in one day, even you don't remember who said what. You remember what was said, but sometimes you confuse, right? Yeah, I mean, that's also when, when you're taking the notes, it's not that I'm writing down everything they said. I, try to figure out the important stuff, the important themes, what is currently going on in their life, and also where can I help them with. For example, mm -hmm. when someone has an issue with another colleague, with their product owner, I will note the name. I mean, I'm using Obsidian. That is like where you can always cross-reference uh, other notes. So for example, every employee or everyone in my team has their own note that I can refer to. And mm -hmm. if I then open that product owner's note, I will see it's linked in a one-on-one -on -one document. Mm -hmm. Therefore, I can also see like, okay, I should talk to the product owner, not say that developer is not liking him anymore, uh, but like, hey, when was the last time you talked to, you talked to your developer or to your teammate? Maybe you should do that more often. And that is only possible if you have that notes. Nice, interesting. So yeah, and we moved to you and your team, the part of building a team and doing one-on-ones. From the interviews, I got a lot about like build the team, set the purpose, why we are here, like how important it is and how hard it's also when you are in remote and you are, you have to create a new team. And it, it's like you have people assigned, mm. a group of people, and then you are making a team out of them and how to do that. Yeah. Do you have anything on that, on that part of when people become a team? I think the, the why is a good starting point. So why we're here as a team, setting a purpose for the team, what they are actually working on, why they're making the customer happier if it's internal, external, but then also see with the one-on-ones, you as a team lead already know what is or you should know <laughs> after after amount of time you should know what makes people happy what what is their what is their thing what are the challenges um, also what i like to do is when i have one-on-ones i always and that is great when you're working remotely you see the background of people i could ask mm -hmm. you what what's the book on your shelf you can discuss uh, for example with it people there's a lot of home automation that you maybe can see, you can see spot in Alexa, you can be very certain that it's not in the default mode anymore. And then you will know what makes your colleagues happy, what drives them. And then you can also easier find activities for the team or topics for the team to talk about. And if you're then in a daily or in, in a meeting with them, just bring up the topics and mm -hmm. put, put topics or put themes on the meetings, like when they're having their weekly uh, or when they're having their their daily and there's still time left or they just stay in the channel talk about the interests that the team has in common so and this then, is how you uh, make sure people relate to each other and find yeah, common of, yeah, interests yeah. what what we did in a former in a former company was also we had every second friday we had the it was called state of the union mm -hmm. and the first maximum 15 minutes was talking about officials like who joined the company who left the company mm -hmm. how are the numbers and so on but 45 minutes of the hour were dedicated to Zoom breakout sessions with random people mixed up. And that was really cool to see because I always mentioned like, there are two topics which you're not uh, allowed to talk about. It's the weather and it's COVID. Because in the end, yeah, we're, we're a distributed company. Uh, the weather will be different in Germany and India. And that will be quite boring. Then there is silence yeah. after, after, after two minutes. Uh, after two minutes and if you give some icebreakers to that like what's in your fridge and that would be very different and that would spark a lot of interest because people from different countries i'm sure your fridge is very different than mine yeah. and also like what's your favorite sport uh, or do you do sports it's even a great question <laughs> or just little games put up a photo mm -hmm. and let guess who is or 
whose home is that? Oh, yeah, I love that. I think, especially if it's like mandated by the company, because, you know, when you put those coffee breaks, sometimes people join, some people never join. But if mm. you do something like you do, like that there is a meeting, we just split whoever lands where they land. I remember at some company, we had this kind of bot that mm. from time to time, it will find a pair for you. But it's just one-on-one -on -one with some stranger. So sometimes you're like, oh, I don't think I want to do this. But then if you are in a bigger group, you learn, even if you are shy, you at least learn about others. And then when you talk to them, you have a topic you can talk about, right? Yeah, so true. that's already totally. a big win. Yeah, cool. So this is great to like build a team, build relationships. There are a lot of books also of how to start a conversation, how to be the most interesting person in the room, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and then they just give you this, like have... You know, there are so many apps that give you those uh, icebreakers. So, for example, I use the Parable one. It's like a, an app to automate retrospectives. And they mm -hmm. have like a random question at the beginning. I like to use the same question for everybody, but they can also like change it. But it's great to, you know, like some random question, like you said, like, what's your new fridge? Like, Ooh, let me check. <laughs> mm -hmm. So I, I really love that. And then... I, we spoke a lot about growing leaders, lead by support, give autonomy, empower engineers. And what I liked what you also said, because you are making so many notes, you know people already. And I really loved when Joao was saying, like, you get to know who is good at what. And then some people will be good to do pair programming and you like push them a bit. You not only delegate, but you, mm. I think it's, Really, it's hard. And I have a lot of conversations with some managers and they say, I will not ask people to do what they don't want to do. But if they never do it, they will not yeah, know they like yeah. it. And if, of course, if somebody is very shy and you suddenly tell them to present in front of a CTO, maybe that's not the best thing to start. But have this, like you see that this person doesn't go too much to people. So maybe just do per programming with them, right? Something small yeah, yeah. so they can start totally yeah and i mean it's it's always nicer to it's always nicer to do what you're doing to stay inside your comfort zone but i think it's really also a job for the manager to push people to push people outside of their comfort zone and there maybe not everybody would agree with but i would even do that on a personal level so like mm -hmm. try to convince them that it maybe would be great to pick up a reading habit or pick up a writing habit something like that but not always by by pushing not always by hey here's the next great book you should read but by also being a good example saying okay hey i've read this book and you should really try that or maybe uh, just look at that look at that quote mm -hmm. uh, i've learned it in this book i've learned it in that book or while i was working out i read i listened to that podcast you should really listen to it mm -hmm. uh, that can also be a form of pushing even outside of work. That's great. I also, from my brother, Yannick, he was saying that there is this app, I think it's actually German, Blinkist. I find it awesome, you know, because it gives you summaries, like 15-minute summaries of all the books you can imagine. And mm. he shared the app with me and I started listening to it. And sometimes I was like, you know, there were so many books that I felt like, Oh, this is the great book everybody is, but I never have time. I never, I have all the other books on my list before I go to that book. And mm -hmm. then you listen to the book and it's like, but I know all of this already. Like you feel so good because you're like, yeah. oh, finally, first, I know what that book is about. Maybe I didn't read it, but I at least know the idea. And then I know that already. And then you feel like double great. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's. That's also a form that was a form of pushing that you got to know this app. And mm -hmm. I also did that with also, by the way, another German app, uh, Freeletics. Okay. Uh, don't know if you know it. No. It's, uh, it's a fitness app. It's a workout app. Okay. And I'm sending around uh, invite codes uh, to people that are just like, yeah, I was, uh, I was thinking about if I should maybe start working out again. And as soon as they say that, they will have that in their inbox from me. And then I would ask them every time, like, oh, have you started already? <laughs> Just also, I mean, offer them like, okay, should we do a group session or uh, do you want 
uh, here, here's my link, you can follow the profile, then we can see mm-hmm. what each other is doing and so on. Mm-hmm. Just encouraging that also, the change and not only related to, not only related to either the manager job or the developer job. Yeah, yeah, because it's, in the end, it's a bit about work-life balance, right? Totally. We sit all day, so we also care about the well-being of other people and not be getting sick. I'm thinking we should have something like co-working space, you know, where people can go at least from time to time. And and especially it's great that you are following up with them because I, I find it also that people need this kind of push and also mm-hmm. especially about the goals. Like you put yourself a goal and then if nobody checks it, it's like you, yeah, yeah. you usually don't have as much of motivation to accomplish all of your goals that were not maybe your biggest priority. But then mm-hmm. you feel good about yourself if you do, right? And then yeah. you also have better mood and then everything goes into place i mean also my my own manager my boss signed me up for a half marathon which i never intended to and uh let let's see if if i'm going (laughs) to do it but it's then also if someone that you someone that you respect does that uh then you you feel more obligation i know it would be good to actually do it therefore it's it's the most if, if your spouse says to you, come, come on, we go running, it's like, yeah, okay, we go running. But if someone that you, someone that is maybe ahead of you or someone that you, mm-hmm. that you have respect of tells you this kind of stuff, it can have a bigger impact or it will have probably have a bigger impact. Yeah, for sure. Because you also then don't want to let them down, right? Totally, yeah. I wonder what I would do. I hate running if somebody did that I do to as me. well. <laughs> Like maybe quarter of a marathon for starters. No? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I thought the same. I've I've seven or six or seven months to 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 prepare for okay. that. Uh, but yeah, it's 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 a big thing. And uh, but you get another sense of motivation if someone is mm-hmm. keeping you accountable for that. And yeah, true. that can now it's like it's four people in the company that are doing that, and it's like okay, yeah. I don't want to let them down. I don't want to be the only one that is not doing it. Yeah, sure. Oh, then it's even peer pressure. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, so now we are a bit beyond the team. So uh, mm-hmm. your relationship with the rest of the company. Uh, we were talking quite a lot about the, especially the PM, because it's like a pair, right? You both have some kind of influence over the team and the relationship better be good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but then there are also some other people. So I would like to ask you, also about your manager, like, do you get support from your manager? How is that working? Definitely. So for my current manager, I'm totally happy with the support there. Apart from the marathon I, part. I don't have to say that. <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, for my current manager, totally. But also in the past, of course, there were managers that that have supported me well. Also so peers that have supported me well. When you're a manager of developers, you also need to be do well with other managers because let's say your team is developing something for customer care Mm -hmm. you better do well with the customer care manager because (laughs) in the end you really want to build what they need and don't have some spec thrown into your into jira and build seven months without releasing to them instead you want to have a good relationship not only you with the manager, but your team with the people there. Mm. And therefore, with your own manager or with other people in the company, I think that's what means power for a manager or influence for a manager. Yeah, okay. So also caring about the dependencies and other, your customers in the end, because they were your customers, even though they were inside. But also when you're like, what you mentioned with my manager or with managers in in other hierarchy levels, I also think it's important that you up or down that you're connecting people with each other. So mm. let's say that I, as a manager of managers, connect one of my managers with our team leads throughout the company just to make them talk, just that they don't fall into building silos or building mm. walls up again. Okay, so then you having like a bigger picture are able to. I really find a lot of similarities where I talk to those managers in the roles of Scrum Master or Agile Coach because in the end it's that it's like finding gap the bigger picture and not only looking at like one role or this role or this part of the product life cycle that's why I have always worked on like 
how should the process of the bigger picture look like and how can we make sure people collaborate with each other throughout this process and not only in silos so this is this is funny for me because i remember at the beginning i i used to like share a lot at home for example like you know this happened this person said this this person said that and my husband was a um, developer and he had didn't have so many stories but once he become a head of engineering and so on suddenly he's dealing with so many people a day and you can see how even the stories that tell each other you know change because suddenly when you deal with people it's just mm -hmm. so complex and people start talking a lot because your day becomes sometimes overwhelming unexpected and so many things happen because you're dealing with people. It's so much mm. different than if you just code. It's I, I like this graphic uh, where it's like where it visualizes how many connections people have, because in the end, when you're in a team of four, these people all have their connection with each other, but also with their manager. And as soon as you go like I I, I don't cannot recall it exactly, but if you're in a team with like 15 people, you have over a thousand connections, something like that. All of this communication, all of this talking to people can really get uh, exhausting. There can come out a lot of stuff mm. to talk That's about. why you also need to have a good manager that will then listen to you so you don't have to take all that things yeah, to your yeah, home exactly. and explain like oh again today i don't know what like it's really good i i think yana was saying that that it's really good to have this support in other managers because mm -hmm. in the end then you realize and many people said that like you realize tiago said you, you there is no seniority in people management because as much as you learn and learn and know and you have you can have great tools great stuff but then there will be a problem you never face there will always mm -hmm. be there are like infinite numbers of problems so then you see that people with many years of management experience they also have these problems they come to mm -hmm. the group and they share like hey this happened could can anybody help how can i solve this or what's the best way to get out of this challenge and so on and i think this is why it's so important to create this support group so you mm -hmm. don't have to take all your problems home with you but you can really keep them at work and solve them at work with other mm -hmm. people right yeah true and either it's in inside the company or even outside, I have a weekly meeting with two former colleagues, now friends mm -hmm. that are also managers. And we're also just like, one of them is working in a smaller company as I am. One of them is working in a bigger company as I am. And it's just great to have different perspectives from the company view, but also because the people now know me very well, that totally helps. These, these yeah. meetings are totally valuable and yeah, can only recommend it inside or I mean, okay, probably, yeah, that's probably both even. <laughs> true, true. Whatever you feel more comfortable with, because maybe sometimes inside you don't have many other managers, you can happen, right? So, yeah, I think it's great to have this support. So then your spouses, girlfriends, whoever you want to live with can be in peace. At mm -hmm. home. <laughs> it's like being a therapist, right? You mm -hmm. are a therapist, but then you have a therapist for you because you are dealing with a lot of problems. And this is the same. You are dealing. It's like being people said you need to learn about psychology if you want to be a manager. So you mm -hmm. also need somebody to, to load off the all the things you get right yeah, and yeah. be able to move on and sometimes we need to talk about them otherwise they keep in you and you become like anxious <laughs> frustrated totally yeah I, I think even when, when i when i first got into management i always thought like the upper managers the c-level and so on they must be really resilient and uh, they must be really tough to keep all that stuff but then when you're getting close to sea level, you also see like, okay, they have the same problems that I have. They just found a way of either dealing with it or they are not on the sea level very long. <laughs> mm. yeah. yeah, true. We think that somehow people have like some magic trick, mm -hmm. right? And uh, that's why they it works. And sometimes it's not like that. It's with the rehearsing and all that stuff. Yeah. You just, by practice, you become more resilient, not the other way around. Exactly, yeah. Wow, I think we have been talking over an hour. Uh, it was great. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Uh, so, yeah, yeah, exactly. So we skipped the good practices, but well, there are so many I can even do maybe like a 
short video just with the good practices. So I would like to ask you, I'm asking everybody always at the end, like what would be your tip for the first time managers or people that are considering to become a manager? If it would only be one tip to become a manager or to, to try becoming a mm -hmm. manager, it's like picking one thing and improving it in the company, in the team, every day, all day. And surely there is some things that are not going too well. I mean, that can be something technical if you're a developer, but that also can be some communicational stuff like onboarding, even offboarding maybe, <laughs> mm. uh, or when it comes to recruiting, being active on, on LinkedIn for, for the company to get new people, share the stuff. Just give it a try, make it a regular effort and see how that stuff feels because as a manager your day consists of doing very small things often that don't lead to immediate results so getting into something like onboarding or especially the non-technical stuff and trying to improve that for long-term usage or making a checklist for that shows you a little bit of what the daily business of a manager can be and also if that's something you want to invest yourself in or if you would rather stay on the other side okay yeah, yeah i think it goes very much into what guys were saying as well like when mm -hmm. you see something do something about it right or my brother said that there was such a problem with onboarding that at some point mm -hmm. somebody quit just after like a week or two because they felt totally not cared about so mm -hmm. he started doing the body program and so on so this is how you also prove to others like to yourself first and then to others, right? That there's something more than just mm -hmm. what you do. Exactly. Cool. And also that you're like, that people can count on you because what I think totally makes or separates the people that are like, I, I, I will be a manager one day. I want to be a manager. What separates the people from that are really good managers is that you're not just talking about it. I had a conversation with a guy like probably four years ago where he said, I talk or I said two years ago that we need to go on AWS. I responded to him, yes, you said it, but you didn't do anything about it. I think that really makes a difference. If you not only complain about things that are not well, instead that you're doing something about it. Yeah, those people that are like, I told you so versus mm. those that actually jump and start doing something so it becomes better. Yeah. Hmm, very good tip. I like it. And before we go, because now we are working remote, everything is different. Do you see how that, and now we are not. And now we are getting Generation Z, which is like also different kind of people. They don't want to be just bossed around. Mm -hmm. How do you see the future? I think you have to pay close attention to the human side of things because in the office you, you see them by water cooler exactly you don't see them by the water cooler or by the coffee machine or go whatever smoking with them instead you need to actively uh, reach out to people that becomes more important that you like i did in the past force this kind of interactions that they happen more and the other thing is a lot of companies in my opinion are doing wrong they're trying to simulate the office yeah. they're like putting up these weird tools where you can walk around with your with your little head and join meeting rooms there. What makes a difference is not like simulating the office. It's like investing in more human connections. That has to come more. Then everything else actually, how to do a one-on-one. -on -one. Sure, we now have a screen between us, but if you pay attention to the person next to you, if you really take the time to listen to people, I don't think that much will change. Instead, you only have to like get more into these interactions and do them more regularly. Nice. Thank you. I think it's very important and we keep forgetting and trying to simulate the company, the, the office too much. That's true. Not realizing that this is a different context. That was, mm -hmm. yeah, true. Good. Thank you. So thank you so much for taking the time. I will recap shortly what we spoke today. So we started with the naming and then we came to the fact that people should uh, explain what the role is rather than stick to whatever name they chose or the company chose for them. So it's very important that people know what to expect from me, right? And as opposed to just playing with the names. Mm -hmm. Then we talked a lot about, I, I really like the fact of like control your calendar, read about psychology talk less listen more and we have a lot of those like listen actively and as you say like mm. make notes really understand other people and i really liked what daniel gorgon said last, last episode that listen not to respond but to understand mm. 
And that's yeah. what you are saying, right? You are looking at the around the house and trying to understand, okay, this person has this book or this person likes this kind of music or has mm. a strange stuff in the fridge. So it's, it's really about trying to understand and seeing the other person and then learn extrovert. We, we spoke about the soft skills, right? And how they are important and you can learn. It's not that it's given. And then we haven't talked about trust a lot, but I, I also noted it for myself when I was doing a recap, like we start with trust right and mm -hmm. then people can disprove it for you but we yeah. start with trust and this is very important to not control too much trust is like the cure right we trust people will do their job if they have the objectives if they know what we want to do so again building the team and, and understanding why we are here what we are trying to accomplish and then empowering them to do it i really love the curiosity miguel mentioned and you said about that a lot as well that we should understand a bit more try to find something you can improve do something mm. more it's just so curiosity outside of whatever you are doing right what is not working for others and this way you get a bigger perspective and you can check whether it's for you to become a manager and there's no problem if you just keep on being a technical in, contributor in the path, yeah. and then i think in the end for me something very interesting was that expect anything to happen don't think you will be prepared for any scenarios you're working with people something very unexpected can happen and we were talking about it get support from other people who do something similar so you can also talk to them and have your own therapy with the managers and yeah i think that's basically that it's all about the relationships that we create in the end right totally i mean one of the last or one interview was finished with, with the sentence leadership is not a role it's a relationship and i really liked it yeah i changed it from uh gabor mate's lecture for parenting mm. and i changed you know the oh, as okay. a parent to a leader because that that like we talk so much about the role in the end it's a relationship and we can get away from that so we just need to start liking people more <laughs> and listening <laughs> yeah. more to what they have to say right thank you so much really appreciate the time it has been a lot of time that i took from you and it was really interesting and i encourage everyone i will add the links uh, to your crash course and whenever you have the book uh can't wait to share on my channel as well and we will talk again back then i hope hopefully yeah well, thanks a lot thank you bye bye, bye. Thank you.